All right, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run The Real, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back and treating ourselves. We've been doing it for a while, and we're still doing it. Specifically, Mike's treating himself. Oh yeah, you can't stop him. I did. I had this movie on my watch list since it came out in uh, 2016, and I finally got around to watching it yesterday. <laughs> the Nice Guys. Yeah, the old buddy cop movie. I'd always heard pretty good stuff about this. You know, even on Reddit, everybody would post every once in a while, I'd be like, have you seen The Nice Guys? And then somebody would reply, oh, that's underrated. Nobody saw The Nice Guys, but it's so good. And <laughs> finally watched it. But The Nice Guys was released in 2016. It was written and directed by none other than Shane Black. Oof. Dan has a distaste for him, but we also do too in his Predator <laughs> reboot. As you can listen to in our archives, I did re-listen to it and... uh Fox and Mike gave it a burn it. I gave it a pass. Did I really burn it? Yep. That's good. That was a bad movie. I really wanted to like it. I tried so hard to like it. There's nothing to like in it. There is. The Predator's cool. There's that one cool scene. Yeah. <laughs> when he breaks out of the hospital. But yeah, Shane Black also did that. He did this. He's done some other stuff, which we might get into. On IMDb, this is a 7.4 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 92% tomato meter and a 79% audience score. And this movie stars the two buddies, um, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, as they are investigating some shady stuff going on after the death of a porn star. So what would you guys think of The Nice Guys? You know, I really hadn't heard anything about it after it came out. I knew I wanted to see it. But I never did, and then I forgot about it, and then we bashed on Shane Black one time on this show, so I <laughs> never went and sought it out. I'm not unhappy that we did, though. Yeah, it's pretty good, I thought. I kind of enjoyed it. I liked it better this time than the first time, I think. First time I thought it was just okay, you know, it was decent enough, but there's some pretty decent stuff in here. I think it's pretty good, pretty entertaining. Yeah, I mean, Shane Black actually did some funny stuff in this movie. Not all of it hits. But some of it hit pretty good, I thought. Some of it's funny. Some of it's just like, eh, okay, you know, kind of groaners, I guess. But yeah, he's got some wit to him. The biggest problem I think this movie has is it stalls in like the middle half pretty hard, it feels like. But when he's going and he's got his scenes going good, he's got the humor, the vibe, the style. I think it works pretty well. Yeah, I think the style of it is really like, it just looks really good, I think. It's really well shot and kind of has that cool 70s feel to it with the music and stuff, too. I, I really like that about it. I think that holds it up a lot for me as well. It's got some pretty bad CGI establishing shots, though. Does it? <laughs> I didn't notice. It does. They're bad. <laughs> remind me what this... Remind me, yeah. What was what was the CGI? The one that that stands out the worst is when they're like on the... Oh, they're sitting in traffic on the bridge or something, or driving over the bridge, and it starts by showing this CGI of, like, the city and the underpass and all that. It's terrible. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I did not notice any CGI cities. 
Dan's finding the nitpicky stuff for Shane Black. <laughs> He's got the eagle eye. It stood out to me. There's a couple others, too. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I was like, that don't look good. Well, to be fair, I think they spent most of their budget on the two leads, which I can't picture anybody else playing these two guys now that I've seen it. I thought they did amazing and had great chemistry. Yeah, I really like the two guys. They're really cool and fun. Yeah, they're, they're, they have good interactions, good dissidence between the two, and, you know, they do the classic where they grow closer together as it goes on. It's they, Yeah, it's really good. They, they hold it up, too, I think. The vibe and, yeah, Ryan Gosling and old Russell Crowe. I would say this was almost a comeback for him, you know? Who, uh, Russell Crowe? For Crowe, yeah. I don't think I've really seen him in anything for a long time after his whole anger management thing in like the mid 2000s he like wounded a concierge at a hotel and had to do like a walk of shame in new york oh so he he does fit the part yeah yeah <laughs> i kind of felt like this was a little bit like of a like a you know i know i'm an angry man but i'm trying to be a good man kind of comeback for him okay i could see that yeah has he done anything after this at all he's got something called unhinged coming out i think <laughs> came out or okay well, Shane Black likes the higher people who are in trouble, not because he's nice, but <laughs> like there's that whole debacle on the pred. I, I think it was the Predator. Olivia Munn was in that, right? Uh, yeah, I think she was the college professor lady. Yeah, there's a whole debacle where he like I don't remember exactly. You can look it up, but he like hired one of his buds in prison or whatever who was in prison for. I don't know, sexual harassment or something. I don't know. You can look it up. Fact is, he hired one of his buds out of prison who then, I think, harassed Olivia Munn some, and then nobody would help her out on set. So he's not <laughs> known for hiring the best people to work with. I'll just get it out. I don't like Shane Black at all. I think he's a hack in a dirtbag, <laughs> and I don't think he's funny. <laughs> You know how Mike doesn't like Zack Snyder? Yep. <laughs> That's me with Shane Black. Oh, man, really? I hate Shane Black. Dang, okay. Oh, he also screwed up Iron Man and made the worst one. That never got a standalone movie after his, I might add. I mean, has any Avenger had four standalones? No. You're not supposed to say that, Fox. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> We've had enough Iron Man by himself anyways. He's more fun with others sometimes, you know, after the first one. It's true. I think I do agree with you about his humor, though. Like, I don't think he's as funny as he thinks he is. I feel like a lot of the stuff in here, he's saying stuff, and I'm like, well, I don't know. It's probably about half and half, honestly, where he's funny, but other times, you know, he says something, I'm like, eh, was that supposed to be funny? Like, I don't know, like... He feels really witty, and he wants to be witty and snappy and jokey, but sometimes I don't think he pulls it off like he wants to. Out of all his movies I've seen, I think he's most on point with his humor in this one. You know, I think he's a good writer, but I don't think he gets the delivery out of the actors that he wants. I definitely think he's a better writer than a director, but I'm not giving him much credit on writing. Though I didn't know he did the screenplay for Last Action Hero which surprises me because I really like that movie. Talk about underrated. Now there's an underrated action movie. I do think that 
Shane Black should not write child actors at all or children into his movies because he's not very good at it and they just feel like adults and not kids. Yeah, the daughter felt weird to me in this. I don't know why. Why did they keep bringing her to dangerous places? Yeah. She felt like she was doing a good job, like, acting-wise, but it just felt like her character felt weird to me. I don't know. She watched a porno. <laughs> like, she's watching it, and then Russell Crowe was like, uh, you shouldn't be watching that. And then the actress is like, oh, no, it's fine. That's me in the film. <laughs> He's just like, okay. I think that was supposed to be a funny moment, but I was like, I feel like this is weird. <laughs> it is weird. He's trying to... I mean, it's the whole kid acts like an adult trope thing, right? But I've never thought that to be funny. There's a ton of movies out there where that's the whole joke. And I mean, they're not good. And it doesn't, this does not <laughs> do that trope any favors either. So she's just baggage. She takes away from getting more dialogue between Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling because she has to stick her nose in every few minutes, get in the stupid situations. It's, ugh. I hated her being in this film so much. It was like, she just takes me out every time she's on screen. Which is a shame, because I think she does one of the best jobs acting in this film, actually, out of all the cast. But her character is awful, and... She's basically in there as a lame way the force character development, which I also don't think is very good in this film and just pisses me off when they do it. Oof, I thought it was pretty decent, the character development between uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Like, the friendship going through him, Russell Crowe trying to come to terms with how he wants to change his life around, even though he doesn't really change his life around. I thought it was kind of fun seeing their character development but yeah i did not like the girl in this at all i would much rather her not been there it's like she's the sidekick but she only shows up half the time so it feels weird whenever she does or something you know it's like she's a character but half the time she's not even with the main characters and then when she does end up with them it's in these really weird kind of awkward situations and it's like <laughs> well why bring her along for this part why not for like the the protest or something you know that would make more sense to bring her to that and she's such a drag, like, she's like, don't kill this guy. And it's like, the most obvious thing is, yeah, you should probably kill this dude who just brought a car full of, like, automatic weapons everywhere he goes and is like a mass murderer machine. And it's like, really? She just is a drag. It's like, no, I want to see Russell Crowe strangle this dude. <laughs> I did see a thing that, uh, that Shane Black had said about this, where... It was something like, we wanted to make, like, the worst people you can think of, but make them likable. So I feel like she's almost an easy way to illustrate what a terrible father Ryan Gosling is, and then, like, what a not-great dude Russell Crowe is. Although his decisions are fairly reasonable, I think, within the context of the situation, and I feel like she's just there to make him look bad. She's like Jiminy Cricket. Oh my god, she is. Why is she not wearing, like, a suit <laughs> coat with, like, tails and a little top hat? And, hey, Russell, don't strangle that guy. <laughs> it could work, but yeah, it just feels weird. I don't know. Yes, I agree. I She was one of my problems with this movie. Is like, she just kept showing back up, doing unreasonable stuff, stuff that doesn't make sense. When I wanted more time with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling being awful people... <laughs> 
Ryan Gosling's like drunk all the time, falling off balconies. <laughs> okay, I did enjoy that. I liked that a lot. That was funny. I liked that. Would be like if we opened up like a run the real detective agency. <laughs> Wait a Who's second. who in this? Well, obviously. Fox would be Ryan Gosling, and I'm going to say Dan the Man is Russell Crowe, and then TV is the daughter, and Mad Mike, you could be Amelia, I guess. (laughs) I'll take it, I guess. He can be Misty Mountains. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I did love that. That was an awesome start. That was a great opening. I loved it. It was so funny, and it sets the movie up nicely, but then it Uh, It doesn't really hit that same level again for me throughout the rest of it. I think the other good parts are like the action scenes. I really like the gunfights and stuff in this. They were really, they felt really intense and kind of real almost. I don't know. Shane Black does direct good action scenes. I will give him that. And he's like chopping the tree down with the machine gun and stuff. Oh man, it was, it was pretty intense. I really liked that. Yeah, I liked the... The fight between Russell Crowe and Keith David at the party. That was awesome. Yeah, I think he, all of them are pretty good. Yeah, even when uh, Russell Crowe's like getting, he gets the shotgun from his apartment. Right at the, it's towards the beginning when they first break in and like torture him a little bit or whatever. Like that was really cool too. That blue face guy was such a scumbag. I was like, man, Russell Crowe's gonna get you. if You murdered this fish. <laughs> Tried to get him to eat him. <laughs> that guy was a good 70s character. I did like kind of the chill 70s vibe this movie gave off. You know, like chill L.A. in the 70s. I thought it did that really well, too. I think if Shane Black knows anything, it's that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and he he did a good job capturing it. I love the outfits. Ryan Gosling looks so cool. He does with the mustache. Oh, man, if only I could have a mustache like that. This is nice. Yeah, it was fun because we get... So many, like, 80s vibe movies. It was fun to watch a 70s vibe movie that did it well, I assume. I wasn't alive in the 70s, but looking back, this is what I think the 70s would be like. I think that's maybe one of my problems to some extent. Well, that it feels like a 70s or doesn't feel like a 70s? Well, so, like, Shane Black's claim to fame, right, is that he was a writer for Lethal Weapon the, like, establisher, the big one, you know, that really brought Buddy Cop to the forefront after all the goofy 70s TV. And I feel like he wanted to make this be 70s lethal weapon, but I don't feel like it captures the vibe of, like, Starsky and Hutch or the original SWAT, you know? it's It doesn't feel like those. It feels like somebody trying to make a movie that feels like those. You know what I mean? Like, it's obviously an imitation. I agree with you 100%, Fox. It does feel like an imitation of those movies. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I think this is pretty comparable to said, like, Lethal Weapon. I think I like those two about the same, this and that. I mean, I'm not a big Lethal Weapon fan by any means, but I think they're pretty comparable, like, with the vibe and the the feel and stuff. I mean, I guess Lethal Weapon's in the 80s, but, like, in terms of, like, tone-wise and quality-wise, I think they're comparable. I think he does a good job of recapturing... The vibe of, yeah, the buddy cop movie, and I think he does a good job of getting the vibe, at least of what I imagined the 70s to be, like Mike was saying. Yeah, a fictionalized time we never knew. He does do a a decent job of it, I'd say, but, I mean, Lethal Weapon was almost 30 years ago, 
between the nice guys and that. So it's hard to recapture like something you did that long ago. And I'd say it doesn't quite live up to what Lethal Weapon was. Yeah, I don't know. I think it does. But once again, yeah, Lethal Weapon's not something I go out of my way to watch, really. (laughs) So I've never seen Lethal Weapon. So what I was more comparing this to is like Beverly Hills Cop and the Rush Hour movies. Oh, you know, maybe that's a more fair comparison, to be honest, especially Beverly Hills Cop. Which, I mean, Beverly Hills Cop, you know, that's Eddie Murphy in the 80s. That was awesome. I love those movies. But uh, this one did pretty good, I thought. It was fun to watch these two um, kind of scumbags go on a case together and interact. I I really liked both their characters, so. I do wish they would have, like, pushed it a little bit farther, because I never get the vibe that they're absolutely bad, you know? Like we were saying earlier, Russell Crowe feels like he's always kind of making the right decision, even if he has to do something bad. I feel like maybe if he would have had, like, an anger issue or something, you know, goes too far whenever violences are concerned. But it never feels like he ever goes too far. I mean, I guess he breaks Ryan Gosling's arm, but... But he's not mean about it. Yeah. He's like... Hey, buddy, when you go to your doctor, this is what you've got. Tell them this. It's just business. And Ryan Gosling, like his drinking problem or whatever, never really like hurts him when he's being a detective, it feels like. It never comes on the bad side of things. Like even when he does fall asleep at the wheel, I don't even think he was drunk for that, but he falls asleep at the wheel and it ends up helping them like get another (laughs) clue. Like it doesn't feel like any of the, the like faults that they're trying to tell us these characters have are actually like important to the story at all well terry and that's because we don't really know much about them there's not a lot of setup for the characters and i'd argue there's not a ton of character development in this either like we don't know why ryan gosling has a drinking problem or why russell crowe is a thug basically the movie never tells us that doesn't give us any background for it yeah we do at the beginning ryan gosling his wife died the house burned down yeah like he like lost everything his wife died what do you mean his wife died that was a big part of the film (laughs) i must have missed that when was that the daughter sitting in the vacant lot all the time yeah, she's reading there because that's where the house used to be. Well, yeah, I got their house burned down because he couldn't he couldn't smell the gas. But when did the wife die? Like, what was that? The the daughter says something about it. He, she says something to Russell Crowe about it too when he asks. But wow, I completely missed that. Did I miss something important with Russell Crowe's backstory too? No, I don't think you did on him. Well. With him, he kind of wants to be a guy who makes a difference at least once. And so after he had saved that diner, he was a diner guy. He was trying to recapture that is what he was setting out to do. That was his whole character arc was he was trying to recapture and be a good guy one more time. So that's that's why he was so, um, you know, driven to go find Amelia because he wanted to do the right thing. Gotcha. Okay. That makes more sense now. (laughs) Yeah, so they both had reasons to be acting the way they were. And I think they had, you know, for this movie, for what it was going for, decent character development. I mean, the characters are good, but yeah, I just feel like, yeah, they keep bringing up, like, yeah, the the flaws, like the daughter's always... I think it's always the daughter who's saying, like, oh, you are a terrible person, or hey, don't kill that guy, but, 
You know, it's like that never comes or that never crossed my mind until she shows up and says something because it's like, well, that never hurt them before in the movie. So, well, that that's Shane Black trying to remind you, hey, these are bad guys. I'm sure I've brought this up many times on here, but it's the same thing. Just look at the Suicide Squad marketing in the actual movie. How many times in there do they say we're the bad guys or something like that? Right? It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> they have to tell us specifically, yeah. It's the same issue with this movie, and it's part of why we don't like that little girl character, right? Because she's in there to remind the audience that, oh, these are bad guys. You're not supposed to like them, even though they don't really do anything super bad in the movie the whole time. And then she's just there to force character development in weird ways that drag the movie down. So that's the big issue. I will say that it didn't really bug me that much. Like, it's something I noticed, but the fact, yeah, I think the performances of the characters are kind of, they hold it up, so I don't really, like, need it, but it just would have really pushed it further, I think. Man, I don't have much to add there. I was kind of just looking for a fun buddy cop movie. I wasn't looking to be challenged on these character tribes. <laughs> I, I think you found it. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I kick back with some popcorn and a brew and you know this movie was probably the highlight of my day yesterday it's not amazing but it it got what it needed to get across for me and it was all right it reminded me of you know beverly hills cop rush hour bad boys those kind of movies this is a good you know feature to go along with those i think i think it's on par with every single one of those i'd agree with that it is a good buddy cop movie if anything like i feel like even well Lethal Weapon does push it sometimes, like, to the extremes, but it kind of feels weird about that sometimes. But I would say, yeah, like, the character development's on par with those movies, too. So it's not like, yeah, maybe... I, I think my complaints would carry over to a lot of those other movies. And, I mean, it's it's an enjoyable movie. I've been harping on it a lot in this review, but I did, I did enjoy myself watching it. Agreed, yeah. Don't get the wrong idea about <laughs> me. I, I did have fun. I wasn't bored. Oh, I, I got more of the harp on, boys. Oh, okay. I got more. <laughs> I ain't done yet. All right. He's bringing in the big guns. Prepare for some police brutality. <laughs> what else could he possibly have? He's the rant man. He's got it all. <laughs> yeah, he's, I'm, I'm sure he's reading off his phone. He's got notes. He took notes. A full loadout. He's like, I'm going to get Shane Black here. You know, Terry pretty much said, Word for word, Shane Black isn't as smart as he thinks he is. <laughs> what I have written down here at the top of my oh, list. Oh, no. <laughs> Dan loaded the ammo and I shot the bullet. No. You did. <laughs> if we're going to harp on his like, comedy again, I think it's better than most of the comedy movies today when he hits it. A lot of times he doesn't, which like Predator... That movie was bad, but this one I thought he did, you know, probably like 75% on, and I prefer uh, this comedy much better than anything, oh, who's that one guy? I'm always harping on him. Seth Rogen. I despise that man's comedy. I always want to like his movies, but yeah, I do actually, now that I think about it, he I'm usually more disappointed than happy with him. I think the um, what the only good one I liked was when the world ends or whatever it's called, where it's like the apocalypse. That one's funny. I have not seen that one, but every other Seth Rogen movie, I just cannot stand that kind of comedy. Well, I'm with you, Mike. I 
my criticisms aren't with the comedy in this movie because I actually enjoyed it for the most part. It, it lends itself well um, to this duo. They do a good job with it. Well, what else you got? It sounds like you got a list. Of, I, uh... I do have some more things I don't <laughs> don't like. Let's hear it. Let's see. I'll start with the main thing I don't like and then get to nitpicks. I don't think the plot to this movie is very good. I think it's kind of nonsense, really. I mean, all this over catalytic converters and the pollution level because they don't want to install them or whatever? This seems a little far-fetched to me. And, like, why on earth would the head of the Department of Justice have something to do with it? And why would she have so much money tied up in this that she would be willing to kill her own daughter over it? It seems a little far-fetched to me. And it also... I don't like the porn angle in this movie either. Because to me, it, it seems to me that it's in there to give this movie like a false sense of seediness that it would be lacking if it wasn't in there. I don't think it justifies itself being in there. It's just like in there to be in there. Yeah, I don't know why it could have just been a normal film. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And like the only way they could get their message out was through making a porno film. I'm like... Uh, <laughs> they could have gone to the press. I know they bring that up in there, but they did not give a good justification why they couldn't. It just, it seems weird. It seems like a way for Shane Black to get naked women on the set to me. I feel like it's more of a 70s thing. It's like, oh, this is in the 70s, and you know, I don't know why, but they always feel a little more seedy to me, the 70s films, I guess. Yeah, but those movies have better... It's more tied to the plot better, whereas in here it doesn't really fit in here. It feels more like it's, like I said, interjected in here to give it a false sense of seediness because it didn't really have one without it. I think the whole plot is a mess. <laughs> I gotta stop. I mean, you know, I, I think, again, I, I feel like it feels like an imitation of the 70s and not the 70s, but I do, I did like that angle. It felt very like, um, Big Lebowski, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I don't know. Like the Amelia, the daughter, who they were trying to find, who turned out to be a terrible person, felt a lot like very Manson groupie you know? Like they're trying to save her from the hitman, and she's like, well, thanks for nothing, guys, and runs out the window to her death, because she's like, everybody's a fascist. I don't know, that, 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 that seems very 70s to me, the whole... We have to make an art film to get our message out. Otherwise, the fascists will suppress us. This is the only way we can express freedom. I liked that. Yeah, I I just didn't, I didn't buy it. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so not in like a fun, funny way, like a lot of comedy, buddy cop comedies and stuff do. It just was like false. It seemed really false to me and I didn't. I didn't like it. <laughs> I think historically it almost makes sense to me. You're like, we're coming off like the 60s in the context of the film. And we've had all these like Cold War era ice station zebra like films about the Soviets and the enemy is outside and the US is your friend and they'll save you. 
And now there's all these kids who are like, the only way we can fight back is by going to Hollywood and making our own media that other kids will see. An experimental film. Yeah. Yeah, it's an art. It's experimental. <laughs> I kind of got the vibe that the boyfriend was like, like, oh, yeah, we have to make it a pornographic film. That's the only way, but, you know. <laughs> See, that would have been more funny, but he wasn't in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe I got from it when she was telling the story. I was like, oh, of course he said that that's the only way to get this message across. But Yeah, that would have been, that would actually have been funny and given it more context and made it, like, absurd and a funny way i think but that's not that's not officially what it is so they had that whole dialogue between them talking about how oh it's not about the porn it's about the plot <laughs> going on for uh, i mean a joke but i i agree with you terry i think that's what the boyfriend was doing we have to do this to get it across i mean the set it makes sense to me the 70s were a really relaxed time with like body image and stuff too especially in media you guys make some valid points um and i'm not against it being in there just because it's porn like that's not my issue my issue is it doesn't it it doesn't feel like a natural fit in this to me with how it's utilized like it's just in there for false seediness to make it more gritty i guess but not in a way that's uh, i can't i can't think of the right words to say make it a more like integral part of the plot right like the only reason it's in there is because they're like we got to get the message out through a porno film i mean that's a very small portion of this movie yet they blow the whole porn angle out to like 11 in comparison right just the so they can have some more grittiness to the film I also mentioned, too, that I thought it's pretty ridiculous that they had to do it that way, too, anyways, and they couldn't go through just some more, like, a different medium that would get them more coverage or whatever, right? And the, the, the head of the Department of Justice, like, I don't think that would even be something that would come across that person's desk. I did like that angle. I thought the whole corporation government entwinement thing was kind of interesting. I thought that was a good uh, good plot point. The DOJ was a weird pick, I think, for where she was at. You know, usually it's like the FBI or the CIA or like some kind of intelligence agency. Or if it was just the head of the car companies, that would have made more sense to me. Like tying in the DOJ just seems like a way to force the the um, Amelia character out of being able to go to the police or somebody like that. It all seems it's it's absurd and forced is what it seems to me, and that's why I don't care for it too much. I did like it though because I wasn't sure who to trust. It was like, do I trust the mom or do I trust the daughter? Because they're both saying opposite things, and they don't necessarily make it clear till later that who which side you should trust. I thought it added a nice layer to the mystery. I did like that angle when it came up. Um, that is nice, and I like that he did that with it. That was one of the more clever things he did, I'd say, in writing this. But it doesn't really pay off too much, because, I mean, they immediately show you, well, she's a stupid, ditzy, <laughs> um, not very nice person. <laughs> and then they just ruin that, oh, her mom is trying to kill her, like, not even ten minutes later, so... 
is a clever thing, but they don't utilize it very well, or not long enough, I'd say. I do feel like it was almost like a play on crazy Cold War Red Scare stuff. I don't know. This kind of fits in with all the other, you know, buddy cop movies we've brought up is they have these weird stories where they get entwined with a government conspiracy or they get entwined with the mob and some conspiracy thing where they just kind of get thrown into the middle of it. So it makes sense to me why it's like that. It It is a little weird, yeah, but if you look at all the other movies in the genre, it's pretty much the same. Yeah, that does happen a lot. Like in the Lethal Weapon movies even, especially, yeah. It feels like it's always like the government was playing a part the whole time. Yeah, that's that's actually, yeah, an interesting point. Maybe Shane Black just likes to do that with his movies. I think he did that in Predator too, didn't he? Uh, there was like the Black <laughs> Ops team, yeah. I don't know. I didn't like it too much. Maybe I haven't seen enough buddy cop movies for comparison too, so I don't know. Um, let's see, what else did I not like? <laughs> I'm curious what you guys are going to think about this. It's going to sound like I'm nitpicking, but I swear I'm not doing it just because it's Shane Black. Oh boy. <laughs> I swear, 100%. All right. I've really come to hate the trope where there's an object that is rolling away from the main character <laughs> and they have to chase it down, but it just keeps going. <laughs> And they just can't grab the freaking thing. Wow, okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> wait a minute. This is a classic staple of American film, and I will not hear this. Like, just grab the freaking thing. It's not that hard. <laughs> that, that's nitpicky. <laughs> You're I, right. I told you. I swear it's not because it's Shane Black. I was just sitting there <laughs> watching it. I was like... Just grab it, Ryan, you idiot. Just grab the freaking tape. It's right there. Wow. Just grab it. It's not that hard. He was drunk. He had a broken arm. Uh, I don't know if Western film could progress without the valuable item rolling away. Yeah. Doesn't it add more tension when they can't quite grasp the object they've been chasing the entire film? <laughs> yeah. False tension because any other person could <laughs> grab the freaking thing. How would we have classic, iconic films like The Emperor's New Groove and other <laughs> movies where the valuable object of the plot rolls away? <laughs> iconic, huh? That's a weird one to just pick, Fox. <laughs> I feel like that's the only one he could think of because he said that and then he said and others. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. No, there's many more <laughs> many more that i could name but not have the time for i just don't want to take up anymore this review you know we <laughs> a lot of ground that trope has been around since like the old charlie chaplin movies you know and it works in the charlie chaplin movies but it doesn't work anymore they shouldn't do it <laughs> it's annoying it pads out what doesn't need padded out and it's just like, I'm sitting there like, just grab it. Come on. <laughs> it's not that hard. And I didn't like how like bombastic and over the top the last part of it got. I would have preferred it to stay more simple at the end, considering how the rest of the movie was. 
So I just, that was my, my big takeaway from the end of the film. I was like, man, I really hate this trope. I don't like it. <laughs> That's not where I thought you were going with it, but. I thought I, well, and, and I just said too, I didn't care for how like bombastic it got at the end. But I mean, I don't have much criticism to say on it besides that it speaks for itself. I also didn't like any of the side characters, like besides Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. I didn't like anybody else. Those two minions, the two thugs, I like those guys a lot. They were okay. Yeah, I'll give them a pass. Uh, but they're not in the movie much at all. Like all the side characters who are in the movie, I did not like them one bit. There wasn't like a overall villain for the film either, which... Mm, I'm not sure if that's a criticism for me or something I would have just liked to see in this. I'm not sure. What would you guys have thought about them having like an overarching villain in the thing? I think that's like, it's kind of like whodunit wise, you know, they're trying to figure out who the villain is in this movie. So I don't know. It's more of a mystery. So I think, I think it works how they do it, but I wouldn't have minded if that, uh, assassin guy had shown up more often though. I really liked him and he seemed like a pretty big threat. Yeah. John boy. Yeah. If John boy had been popping up here and there throughout the movie and more, I think that would have probably helped a little bit if they'd have been like getting hunted down by him or something. I did like his intro though. I mean, you don't see him, but they go up to the top of the elevator and they look out <laughs> Some dude's getting gunned down, and they go back down. <laughs> Some guy gets thrown out the window. That was pretty funny. It's like, all right, we're going. <laughs> that guy did a good job. I really did like his performance. Like when he's talking to the daughter and her friend or whatever, it's very creepy. I thought he did a good job of being yet the scary hitman. We ready for some overall presentation here? I am ready. I got all my stuff out. The grievances have been aired. They have <laughs> he, been aired. It's time for the feats of strength. <laughs> he let them all out. Um, so we've got a scale that we use to rank the movies. We go from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We all give a little spiel, a little summary of what we think. And then we try to average out our scores at the end. So we'll see if that happens this time. I don't know. Sometimes it don't work that way. <laughs> all right. I'm jumping in here. Like I said earlier, this movie's kind of fun. It does have some stuff that I don't like about it. The daughter's really annoying. I wish she would have just been, you know, written out of the movie and they wrote in Amelia's character there or find some other way to get that in there. But I did have fun watching this. I think it's a good, you know, chill movie to kick back with some popcorn, some wings, and a beer. And that's what I was really looking for for this Treat Yourself. I'm going to give this one a watch it. I can see this being a movie that I enjoy it the more I watch it, like you said, uh, TV. I could see me getting more of the jokes and liking the characters more each time I watch it and forgiving some of the things I didn't like, but I had fun watching this. This was the highlight of my day yesterday, so yeah, I'm going to give it a watch it. I get the watching a movie for our show and it being the highlight of the day. I think that was me in Redline way back when we did that one. I know I spent a lot of time bashing on this one, but I didn't dislike it. I had a pretty good time, to be honest. It's not Lethal Weapon. It's not Starsky and Hutch. Don't come here if that, I mean, okay, well, maybe I should rephrase. This isn't those things, but if you've seen those things and there's nothing else that will scratch that itch for you, you've got the nice guys. 
it's certainly not a bad movie. Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling are great. They're both, I'm not going to say doing something new. Yeah, I mean, they're they're doing what they're good at, but Russell Crowe's been out of the scene for quite a while, and Ryan Gosling's been pretty shoehorned into the old rom-com genre for a fair amount of time. So this is a good opportunity to catch them both doing something you haven't seen them do for a fair amount of time, even though films like Gladiator and The Notebook are timeless. I'm going to have to give this one a watch. Would recommend watching. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again in the near future. Maybe if Mad Mike buys it and we get some whiskey and some 70s looking cigars, maybe (laughs) then I'll watch it again. (laughs) But I think it's definitely worth a watch at least once. Yeah, I think I was more akin to Dan the first time I watched it. I was just like, it's pretty, it's decent, but I didn't really love it. I mean, I guess maybe Dan hated it more than that. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But um, I liked it a lot more this time for sure. Um, I did, it grew on me quite a bit. I really liked the 70s vibe it has. Um, and I would say it is comparable to like Lethal Weapon. Um, I'm not a big buddy cop guy by any means, but I think this is at least as good as that. So if you like those movies, you're going to like this. Um yeah, the actors are really good in this. There are some nitpicks with like character development. Maybe they could have shown some of the flaws the characters had because they tell us what the flaws are, but we never really get a chance to see them, I feel like, or at least see them in a detrimental way at the very least. I'm going to give it a watch it. I did like it a lot. I know I did harp on it a little bit in this review, but overall it is enjoyable. It's a fun movie to watch. It's entertaining, which is a plus, a very good thing. So there you go. I'll watch it. I'm of two minds with this film. I really thought that the plot was nonsensical and absurd and really forced through a lot of it, as I've spoken of in this review already. I really didn't care for anybody except for Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. I didn't like any of the other characters. They do a good job, though, Um, and I liked them both quite a bit in this. It's nice seeing them do something different than what they usually do, like Fox brought up. They definitely hold this film up on their shoulders, for sure. If they weren't in it, and we had actors of less caliber in these roles, then I don't think it would have worked nearly as well. So they were good good choices for this, for sure. Yeah, it drags so much because of the absurdity which that could be my personal preference. I guess take it how you will. I didn't think it was very funny. And just having the daughter shoehorned in so much, I mean, I think we all said we didn't like that very much. It just doesn't work like they're wanting it to in this. I could have used more of Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, like Terry was saying, um, because the character development is there, but it's not very strong, and I would have wanted to see some more between the characters and some more backstory with them than what we got. I don't know on this one. I really, (laughs) I also really liked the comedy when it hit. It was pretty funny, which is surprising for me in a Shane Black film, because I really don't like what he does for his comedy most of the time. Going into this, I wanted to give it a pass, but just thinking and being reminded of all those funny scenes in here, it makes it difficult for me to pick. I think I'm going to have to give it a watch it um, just because of that comedy aspect in here with the two main characters. 
Congrats, Ryan and Russell. You guys saved this from being a pass for me. Hey, so that's what? Watch it's all around? Yep. It's what it sounds like. As just kind of an ending note, I do want to make a note that this movie flopped really hard at the box office. It had a budget of $50 million and its opening weekend, it only made $11 million. Oh, dang. In the gross USA, it made... Um, 36 million and cumulative worldwide it just barely made 62 that's better than some movies i don't like movies flopping even if it's this one which i didn't love it's like i don't want it to flop i just want like the crappy movies to flop you know <laughs> but it seems like a lot of people like it and it's maybe it made its money back afterwards I do think this kind of will have like a cult falling around of it. It kind of feels like that a little bit. From what I see online, it kind of feels like it has a small cult following, but but who knows? Because they did kind of set it up for like a nice guys too, but I doubt that will happen. I think Shane Black said that the, he wanted a sequel, but it flopped so hard there probably wouldn't be one. Yeah, it was originally supposed to be a like TV series is what they wanted it to be, but Daniel loved this. They didn't have enough story to do that, so <laughs> it became a movie. I've been proven right. You know, I would like, I, I, could, I would watch a TV series of this, I think. I think that would be a nice <laughs> format for it. Maybe they'll do it. Maybe they'll adapt it to TV and then see how it goes. They did that with Lethal Weapon, didn't they? Didn't they make a TV show? There's a TV show. I don't know if it's good, but there is a TV show of it. All right, Dan, what what do you got? You're the only one who hasn't picked one for a treat yourself. I think I'm going to pick Harakiri from Masaki Kobayashi. I have never heard of this. It is an old black and white 1962 samurai movie. Oh, okay, interesting. I haven't watched a lot of those. It's supposed to have one of the best samurai duels in it. I also may have received this as a gift for last Christmas Ooh. and have not watched it yet. And I've been on, I, I was telling them earlier, I've been on a Kurosawa kick. So what better way to kick it off than with a non-Kurosawa thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I looked at the screenshots and I immediately thought of Kurosawa, so... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's been the same vein at the very least. Yep. And I'll probably watch some more after this, so I need to watch more of that guy's stuff. I've got I own Seven Samurai, but I've never watched it. You haven't watched it? No. It is oh, a long movie. That's so good. So much of Western action media is <laughs> inspired by that film. You saw Rashomon though. You watched that with us. I did. I watched you because you had it for a class project, right? Or was it Mike? I had it for a class project. I love that movie. That's my favorite one I've seen of his. But anyways, yeah, Harakiri. That's what we'll watch. Nice. I'm excited. Well, if any of you listeners out there want to be a nice guy and get in contact with us, you can or hit us gal. up on... Or gal, of course, yes. If any of you out there want to be a nice person, I should say, a nice person, then you can hit us up on social media. Um, you can find us at Run the Real on Facebook or on Twitter, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast.gmail.com. Hit us up. Let us know what you think about the reviews. Let us know what you think about the movie. We want to hear it all. Yeah. Yeah, well, be sure to get in contact with us. We'd really appreciate it. And also be sure to tune in next week when we get back to the classics. 
Yeah, taking us back in time. To 1962. We were in the 70s. Now we're going to be in the 60s, but <laughs> probably actual feudal Japan. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to go very far back this time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real, signing off. Mm-hmm.